Good evening and welcome to another episode of this podcast. In today's episode, I will have an interview with a very ambitious economics student and we will talk about many different, very interesting topics. At the end of the interview, I will also summarize the trading day of Wednesday, the 19th of April, 2023. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's episode. I'm very happy to have Bana on this podcast today, and uh, we will talk a little about uh, a little bit about the current interest rate hike cycle of the Fed and some macroeconomic topics. So, uh, welcome! Thank you so much uh, for uh, letting me join the podcast. No problem. Very happy to. Um, so, it would be great if you could start by talking a little bit about yourself, uh, so my listeners know uh, who I am interviewing today. Of course. I'm Barnabas Gur, uh, a first year economics and business economics a bachelor's student at the University of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I work uh, currently as a market analyst at a rapidly growing Dutch startup called mm-hmm. Voppa. Um, and yeah, my, my studies in e- economics contribute largely to my curiosity and mm-hmm. passion uh, for diverse economic uh, situation, market news. Uh, and financial updates. So I'm really honored to be uh, here with you, Elias, uh, and uh, to be able to contribute uh, to this podcast. Yeah, and studying economics um, um, gives you the tools to to, to answer those uh, great questions as well. So I'm very happy to have you. Um, now, we will start off by talking about the... So we have uh, four main topics here. The first one is going to be interest, the interest rate hike cycle and uh, the Federal Reserve. Then we will talk about fixed income, bond, and treasury yields mostly. So the two-year and the the 10-year treasury yield at most. Uh, Then we will move on to macroeconomic data of the past uh, three weeks now, actually, because we got some incredible data, and I want to know what you think about that. And then uh, we will talk about the question about uh, credit risk or interest rate risk. So I will get back to that uh, later. And my listeners know I talked about this many times in this podcast before, so it will be a very interesting topic as well. Let's get to it. Yep. Okay. So the first question, um, as we all know, inflation is still a major problem around the world. We have seen uh, inflation come down, but the problem is uh, what I have seen in the numbers, it's mostly uh, headline inflation that is coming down. So uh, inflation, including food and energy prices, but core inflation, the one that excludes food and energy prices, is, is not coming down significantly yet. And if you look at what Christopher Waller said, he's the governor of the Federal Reserve, he believes that we have not made uh, significant progress uh, with core inflation. So more tightening, monetary tightening is required, in his opinion. Do you believe that the disinflation we have seen so far means, uh, does that mean that inflation is on a sustainable downward trajectory? Great question. Um, As Jeremy Powell uh, has recently said, um, the disinflation we see now is... uh, beneficial so far as it has not come uh, at the expense of a weaker labor market. Uh, Inflation has been continuously declining in in recent times, dropping below 5% uh, in in the US for the first time since uh, May 2021. In my opinion, um, this depicts uh, a bright situation and uh, could be uh, confirmed, could be reconfirmed by an even stricter policy uh, led by the Fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, certainly was a great answer. It will be especially important to see a fall in uh, core inflation because the Fed has mentioned many times that that is the most important measure for underlying inflation. And like the uh, Cleveland Fed president said uh, recently, 
um, in order to know that inflation is really on a sustainable downward trajectory, the core inflation uh, needs to needs to uh, surprise to the downside, maybe even potentially. But uh, we also got some very interesting UK inflation data today, if you want to touch upon that as well. Yes. Um, um, although in the US, uh, the situation uh, can be seen uh, pretty nice at the moment, uh, in the UK, inflation fell by less than expected. Uh, and prices are e still extremely high. The consumer price index rose by an annual 10.1%, according to the Office for National Statistics, which in my opinion is extremely um, unexpected and um, still pretty high. Also, uh, the prices are up by 19.1% mm. uh, up until March, which is also something. That's yeah, incredible. So the BOE will definitely have to probably stay more hawkish than is currently... Uh, expected now uh, going back to the us um, the labor market is uh, key for uh, getting inflation back to the two percent target now my own analyses uh, also show that you cannot um, restore price stability if you have such a hot labor market i mean even in the most recent uh, labor market report uh, the unemployment rate fell to 3.5 percent which is uh, yeah. in uh, incredibly uh, low and um, yeah, in general, um, my analyses and also Larry Summers uh, talked about this from Harvard. He said that in order to get wage inflation down, that is required in order for inflation to fall. And in order to get wage inflation down, you need to, uh, the unemployment rate to rise. Now, do you uh, generally agree with uh, this conclusion from my analyses and, and, and Larry Summers in this case as well? Yes, I do agree. Um, your, uh, with your analyses and with uh, Larry's as well, um, the Phillips-like uh, trade-off between unemployment and inflation uh, is always present, uh, in my opinion, uh, regardless of the policymakers' decisions. So, so no matter what happens, uh, how people decide, this trade-off will be um, uh, significant and present at all times. Uh, to reach the inflation level of 2% again, um, I think it is inevitable to see a sharp increase in the unemployment um, rate in the future. Yeah, I, I com completely agree with that. And uh, I think the Fed has to stay hawkish until we see the unemployment rate rise, because yeah. otherwise price The trade-off is there. The trade-off is there, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, kind of touching um, up, up upon this, the um, equity market right now is pricing in rate cuts by the end of this year. <laughs> and um, given what we just talked about, the fact that the unemployment rate has to rise, do you believe that this is a realistic scenario? And if not, when will, in your opinion, the Fed start to cut rates? A pretty interesting question. Uh, thank you for uh, mm, touching up on, uh, on this. The fight against sticky inflation makes it uh, quite hard for the Fed to finally start cutting the rates mm -hmm. and uh, turning the situation upside down. However, the median projection among Fed officials puts interest rates in a final target range of 5, 5.25%, uh, suggesting that it is likely that the Fed will raise interest rates another 25 basis points before it backs down and finally starts with a rate dwindling policy. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I also agree, agree with that because the Fed has been saying all along that they will not cut rates this year. And I, I don't think, except we... if. If we do get very significant economic weakness, the Fed will, will cut rates, but that is very unlikely given the current uh, economic data, which we will also talk about a little bit later in this interview. Yes. 
Um, now, uh, this is kind of uh, going into a different direction, this, this question, but it does relate significantly. Now, the Ukraine war and the recent uh, geopolitical events, they have spread the fear of uh, deglobalization. And given that we see a significant change to supply chains based on, on that spread or, or the fear of deglobalization, do you think that the 2% inflation target of the Fed is still appropriate? No need to mention that uh, economic shocks uh, such as the uh, war in Ukraine or, or for example, the COVID pandemic, uh, they always have a really big um, and severe effects on, uh, on the world economy and on uh, specific economies uh, of countries as well. The likelihood um, of another worldwide economic shock is always unpredictable. Mm -hmm. We can bet on it. It's always uh, comes from nowhere. So it's hard to predict. In case of no economic disasters, however, the Fed can be able to achieve the estimated 3.3% inflation level by the end of this year. But the thriving and healthy state of the economy depends on too many things to take the forecasted percentage levels as mm -hmm. given. Yeah. So, so you would say that the uh, 2% inflation target is um, realistic um, going forward? or It is, but um, not in the really near future. I think in uh, two, mm -hmm. two and a half years, the mm -hmm. 2% can be realistic, but uh, only in the scenario in which we don't have really big economic and worldwide shocks. Yeah, that, that uh, definitely makes sense. Um, generally speaking... Um, when, when this whole inflation issue started, um, people at the Fed said that it will only be transitory. So, um, and it turned out not to be. So there is this uh, lack of credibility that the Fed has. And the markets also don't seem to believe what Jay Powell is saying because they are pricing in rate cuts already. So do you think that changing the inflation target or saying that the inflation target is only realistic in the long term, do you think that might um, hurt the credibility of the Fed? Yes, I think it would. Um it's such a huge, huge message towards uh, investors, towards the economy, mm -hmm. that the Fed has to take into account that uh, they cannot change the the um, the inflation target or the or the, the years they are going to achieve it um, from one day to another. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of preparation. I think it has a a big impact mm -hmm. on how uh, investors will. Yeah. Uh, react to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, realistically, speak, realistically speaking, I completely agree with only realistic in two to two and a half years because the, the environment changed. But I don't think the Fed can really communicate that because inflation expectations could become unanchored. Yes. Um, now um, we're kind of switching to the next topic now, which is uh, fixed income. We will mostly talk about uh, bond and treasury yields, which is a very interesting topic um especially that uh regarding the the recent uh events in the banking sector exactly yeah exactly so and that is exactly what i want to touch upon actually so um we have seen a significant decrease in treasury yields because of like you mentioned uh, those events in the banking sector especially the um policy sensitive two-year treasury yield uh, decreased significantly now um do you do you believe that given the current interest rate hike cycle of the Fed, the two-year Treasury yield will fall further, or will it start to rise again? Thanks for your question. <clears throat> well, um, after the shutdown of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, 
which uh, is a wide-known uh, fact by now. Um, the, the yield on the two-year treasury note fell really sharply, and uh, it sparked a flight to saver assets such as government bonds for investors. Mm-hmm. The recent events in the banking sector could put, down, could put downward pressure on treasury yields, particularly in the short run, as investors seek safer assets. Mm-hmm. Long-term prospects seem pretty different to me. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, as the market gets accustomed uh, to the current situation, uh, to, the, to the missing of banking giant from the sector, everything uh, will go back to normal uh, soon. And the investing appetite of uh, people will shift as well, I think. And not toward treasury bills anymore, but they will go back uh, to regular uh, investing opportunities mm-hmm. and the um, the yields of treasury bills will uh, start to increase again. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Once uh, investors are less worried about the economy, they will uh, invest less in in, uh, in bonds and and more in equities, and yeah, that will cause yields to increase again. At the same time, the Fed is raising rates, so yields will increase uh, even further. Uh, what is interesting, uh, what I saw is uh, the two-year yield usually rises above the final federal funds rate, meaning that um, if we end up at five points, so if you look at previous interest rate act cycles, so if you look at um, uh, like we're going to probably end up at 5.25% or something with the final federal funds rate. So looking back at history, the two-year treasury yield might as well rise above 5% significantly. So rising yields are, I believe, definitely the uh, base scenario. Yeah, well, what's interesting, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. uh, that what is going to happen when the Fed will uh, finally switch their... Switch um, to cutting. Yeah, switch yeah. to cutting and switch their uh, policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, um, in connection to this, we got a lot of economic data in the in the past uh, three weeks now. And um, that has really, uh, yeah, kind of... Well, people wanted to get a better idea of, of the uh, economic scenario, but it kind of it didn't really help because we got mixed data. And so it basically started with ISM PMI manufacturing data showing a lower value than expected. Then we got the ADP payrolls number, which was also weaker than expected. And um, then uh, jobless claims also increased more than expected. And all of this added to the fears of markets that the economy is now slowing down, which is also a reason why uh, yields increased, right? Yes. So, um, but then we got the jobs report and that showed a very resilient labor market. Unemployment rate uh, fell to 3.5%, which would, like we s- discussed earlier, like, like you said as well. The trade-off. The trade-off, exactly. <laughs> if, you, if the unemployment rate keeps on falling, then you're not going to get inflation back to 2%. Exactly. So what do you think all of this economic data means for the interest rate hike cycle of the Fed? So kind of in, in all of it together. And do you think an interest rate hike of 25 basis points in May, so at the next FOMC meeting, is likely uh, from the Fed? I think uh, the recent data can, can raise some uh, pretty serious concerns. Mm-hmm. The weaker than expected the ISM uh, PMI manufacturing data and the ADP payroll numbers, along with the increase in jobless claims, of mm-hmm. course, can be solid enough, I think, um, to raise concerns about a pot- potential economic slowdown. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in what, uh, how the market and how the markets will react to that. On the other hand, the strong jobs report, which showed uh, a resilient job market, as you mentioned, um, with a low unemployment rate and strong pay- payroll numbers, provides some really positive news, I think. Mm-hmm. 
I feel it important to highlight that the Fed's aim aims to achieve the 2% inflation rate again um, will likely bring about a large increase in unemployment, as mm. we already discussed. So the trade-off is always there. Mm. We got to keep that in mind. Um, so if I kind of could uh, um, Sorry. anchor into that real quick. Um, so it will be it's interesting how, how markets react uh, to this data, right? Because last year we've seen any positive news in the economy was bad news for stocks because it would mean that the Fed has to keep rates higher for longer. Yes. So this uh, um, uh, stronger than expected, uh, stronger than anticipated jobs report uh, might might be bad news for markets, and it's kind of in, we will get back to that later when we talk about um, uh, credit risk or interest rate risk. But it is very this interpretation of economic data, the shift we have seen is uh, very interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, in general, so so do you believe that um, that the Fed will? Do you believe in and uh, do you expect an interest rate hike of twenty five basis points? That's what I asked previously in in May by by the Fed. Um, yes, uh, honestly, I do. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, the Fed uh, is kind of uh, um, projecting that they are uh, still going to um, make one uh, at least, but maybe even more um, uh, increases uh, in the rates. So we won't really see the Fed keeping the interest rate the same mm-hmm. or even turning them uh, around and uh, maybe decreasing them by midsummer, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in May, it's it's bound that an increase will happen again. Yeah, with yeah, twenty-five I, basis points. I agree, and, and that's basically what the markets are are pricing in at the moment as well. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of uh, interpretation of economic data, um, and I, my listeners know I talked about this topic many times last year. Um, last year was all about interest rate risks. So. Um, people were worried about the interest rate hike cycle of the Fed uh, much more than now, um, even. So, and what this meant for equity markets was that markets reacted negatively to good economic data because it would ultimately mean that the Fed has to keep rates at a higher level for longer. And the opposite was true for bad economic data. And this year, it's been mostly been a back and forth between do we interpret inter- interpret uh, good economic data as a bad sign or as a good sign? It's kind of been a back and forth. Uh, Mohamed El Erian, the very renowned economist, believes that the recent jobs report shows that we should be less worried about the economy and more worried about the fact that the Fed will keep rates higher for longer. Um, all at the same time, while the market is already pricing in, in rate cuts this year. So um, based on the labor market report, Mohamed El Erian believes we should be more interest, uh, more worried about interest rate risks than uh, credit risks. Do you generally agree with him in, in that matter? Well, uh I agree. I agree with him uh, because as long as the Fed is still surging the interest rates up, no matter how comforting, comforting uh, the job report is, the economy uh, won't really be able to perform perfectly well. As you mentioned, these back and forth actions, um, yeah, we cannot be sure about uh, the economy's uh, rising the e- e- economic performance mm-hmm. as long as the uh, Fed is increasing interest rates. Yeah. But I'm really interested uh, in what results would the job report presents uh, once the Fed has changed its policy and uh, probably turned the markets around as they started reducing interest rates. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see if the Fed changes its policy. If they do. Yeah, then we will probably have high unemployment rate, like we said earlier. And then it's the question, will the market react positively to the Fed cutting rates or 
um, negatively to the fact that we are seeing uh, the unemployment rate so so high. So it will be interesting how, how that's going to end up. Um, now, a quick summary of what markets are pricing in in general at the moment. So uh, there are mainly four points uh, what markets are pricing in. So, so there are price, a very real, um, a very uh, optimistic Goldilocks scenario, basically. So on the one hand, they um, believe we will get a soft landing this year. They believe we will not see significant increases in the unemployment rate and, and no credit issues because of the recent events in the banking sector. But at the same time, they believe that the Fed will start cutting rates. And this is very... Uh, a very unrealistic scenario because uh, the Fed will cut rates either when inflation will fall or when the unemployment rate will rise. But the the inflation cannot fall back to 2% if the unemployment rate doesn't rise. So all of this is, a, I believe, a very unrealistic uh, scenario that the equity market is uh, pricing in. Um, do you believe this to be a realistic scenario? And if so, why? And if not, how will this mispricing affect equity markets in 2023? Great question, because whether or not this is a realistic scenario um, depends on a variety of factors, including uh, global economic conditions, government policies and unforeseen events mm -hmm. uh, such as natural disaster or political unrest or even another war, maybe uh, at the uh, other part of the world. Mm -hmm. We never know. Yeah. If the scenario turns out, turns out to be accurate, it could be really positive for equity markets as it would indicate a stable economic environment with lower interest rates, of mm -hmm. course, which is generally positive for stocks, uh, yeah. as we've seen before. However, if this scenario turns out to be overly optimistic, it could lead to a sell-off in equities as investors reprice their expectations and then the markets turn again. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And just this general interpretation of data is a very uh, interesting topic. Um, now that uh, basically uh, th that is it for for uh, the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, thank you very much for taking your time today to to be here and uh, to to answer those questions. Thank and, you so um, much for the opportunity and the good time we had here. Yeah, we definitely we definitely had a great time, and yeah, we will get back to some stock market news now. Stocks have finished today's trading day mostly flat as investors digest the recent earnings we got from U.S. banks and other big companies. Let us quickly touch up on some of the earnings results that were reported today. Morgan Stanley's numbers show a slowdown in investment banking activity. According to the Financial Times, Morgan Stanley's net income applicable to shareholders totaled $2.98 billion in the first quarter, which is down 19% from the same period last year. According to Bloomberg, analysts have expected net income of $2.92 billion. Investment banking revenues from Morgan Stanley fell to $1.2 billion, which is a decrease of 24%, but still topped analysts' expectations of $1.1 million. The fall in investment banking revenues has been a pattern so far in the current earnings season, but the initial expectations from analysts for investment banking revenues of the big banks um, were or are already very low, so it remains a question of how much that fall will actually reflect, um, will actually affect the share price, because the expectations for investment banking revenues are already so low. Morgan Stanley shares finished Wednesday's trading day in the green by 0.67%. 
Tesla reported first quarter profits today that fell short of analyst expectations and the shares of Tesla are down 2.02% today. Another interesting event today was the release of the Fed's Beige Book. The Beige Book of the Fed basically is a summary of economic conditions. Each Federal Reserve in the US gathers information on economic conditions in their district and this information is then released in a so-called Beige Book which is published eight times per year. The current Beige Book showed that according to Bloomberg the US economy basically stalled in the recent weeks. Hiring and inflation seem to be slowing and the access to credit is narrowing. According to the Beige Book, and I quote, overall economic activity was little changed in recent weeks. Overall price levels rose moderately during this reporting period, though the rate of price increases appeared to be slowing, end of quote. This certainly is a slight step down from the previous Beige Book that was released, which indicated a more resilient economy. So it does seem like we are moving in the right direction in terms of um, um, fighting against inflation, but I believe that a lot more progress has to be made because the economic data still shows a resilient economy, while especially core inflation still remains very sticky at the same time. And it remains a question of how much further headline inflation will fall, given that um, energy prices are on the rise, especially with the um, now full um, with the fact that China is now um, seems to be on a, a track of recovery, so that might also push commodity prices higher. So, and that might generally affect the headline inflation number. So maybe even the headline inflation number will not uh, drop as much as it used to, while core inflation also remains sticky. So it is a question of if um, inflation truly is on a sustainable downward trajectory. I believe it is uh, too early to tell. Now, the Beige Book also states that consumer spending, quote, was generally seen as flat to down slightly, end of quote. Wages remained elevated but showed some moderation and the labor market showed signs of cooling. However, one must note that credit and debit card spending is still growing faster than inflation, which is another indicator, in my opinion, for a Fed that will keep rates higher for longer than what is currently priced in by markets. Let us take a look at how the major U.S. indices performed today. The S&P 500 finished the trading day basically unchanged at 4,154.52. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 79.62 points and fell to 33,897.01. And the Nasdaq 100 finished the trading day basically unchanged at 13,088.71. The 10-year Treasury yield is up by around 2 basis points and increased to 3.6%. The VIX volatility index fell by 2.2% to 16.46. What this uh, VIX uh, value shows um, is that markets seem to be struggling for direction at the moment. I believe that it is simply digesting the recent earnings reports while staying cautious about what is yet to come in the current earnings season. As I said yesterday, this right now seems to be a momentary lull before we get all the other earnings reports of big U.S. companies. And that is it for today's episode of the Talk Stock Market News. New episodes are released every weekday. I hope to see you back again on the stock market coverage for Thursday, the 20th of April, 2023. Have a great evening.